what's going to be? How's it hanging? How's it happen? You guys know this is Kevin from the Card Progression Podcast, brought to you by Dark Fusion Systems, the best in custom computing needs. You're building a custom computer for streaming, gaming, creative, music, whatever it is. Go to the guys at Dark Fusion Systems. They have the stuff for you. They're Ryan Kirby endorsed. You watch his streams online. He uses a Dark Fusion Systems computer. You get $100 off your entire building. It's code CPPOD at checkout at darkfusionsystems.com. Link should be on the podcast below. Thank you very much. Now it's time for feature presentation. We have Mike from the band Profiler on the podcast. Metalcore, new metal, mixing a bunch of different stuff in there as well on their brand new Digital Nowhere out on February 16th. Find out about the band, their origin story, what to expect from their live setting in terms of how different they're going to make that show and everything in between with this music. We dive deep. We get you to know the band. Here we go. You ready? Let's go! Yeah. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Court Progression Podcast, still on our journey and on our mission to bring you some of the best new music we can find you out there, especially in the rock and metal space, and not just from the United States, all over the world, as you have well known for the past five years from us. We're going to keep doing that, and we're going to do that right now with this band right here bring in some sort of this metalcore new metal flair if you like 156 silence and alpha wolf you're gonna want to check out this band for sure the debut album a digital nowhere releases on february 16th so go be ready to check it out and the best way to get ready for it is by checking it out right here with this full interview getting to know the band getting to know the guys especially this guy and see where it takes so please welcome mike from the band profile of the podcast so mike welcome to core progression podcast Yo, what's up, man? Thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. Dude, it is good to have you here as well. And I was looking through, like, of course, the history of Vance, who I could find you guys, you know, signing a sharp tone. You got your debut album coming out this year. But outside of that, I really don't know that much about Profiler. I don't know that much about you. So can you give me the whole origin story on Profiler, everything that's gone on? So it's like we're watching, like, the actual first iron man origin story like i want that kind of style cinematic quality of a story i'm not talking like iron man 3 or you know whatever marvel's released post uh post end game i want that like full-on origin story of profiler so let me hear it man cool well nice one i'll uh, i'll start from the beginning so basically it started because i was writing i was writing demos uh with a producer that i was living with at the time when i was in bristol uk studying at university uh, I was basically kind of writing riffs, laying them down with him uh, and then kind of getting a good response from people around us being like, you should do something with this with this project. So then I fully recorded two or three songs with uh, kind of logic drums, bass and uh, my vocals and everything like that. Uh, and yeah, got a good, good response from the kind of demographic I was in. And so started scouting out for talent, uh, which is where I found my bass player, Joe, who lived in the same building as me two floors up for like a year. And we didn't even know, which is crazy um so you know had we met earlier maybe we'd have got stuff done quicker but yeah we met at the kind of end of our tenancy got together kind of uh kind of got an idea going for what we wanted to maybe do as a band he found our original drummer oscar at the same university in one of his classes and then yeah basically we started jamming uh and coming up with with kind of ideas for how we could put these songs into live into live aspects and then i just continued writing and recording with the producer making the songs that are on the old EP and the, the singles previously to that. So we've got kind of nine songs out that were kind of pretty much basically written by myself uh, with Joe coming in the bass player and adding his flair on top and working with our original producer. Um, once we got that down, we weren't really gigging too much. We just kind of wanted to release music. So we started releasing these singles, paying for it ourselves with like artworks and 
getting it set up on Spotify, just as rookie rookie uh, musicians, basically. And then, um, yeah, I guess that kind of got got quite a bit of attention fairly quickly uh, from our university, who knew some people in the industry that were like, you should check out this band. So Nathan Barley from, originally he was from Basic Records, that then moved over to Sharptone. Obviously now he's like head of a and at Sharptone and Nuclear Blast. Um, he happened to check us out before we moved over to Sharptone. Was really into us. Didn't sign us at the time. He was just kind of scouting us out and then showed our music that was out online to Sharptone, who were like, yeah, let's do something. So then we had to like strip all of our music off online. This is all in the space of like a year and a half as well. So super quick. Um, so we're very lucky. It's like a very kind of odd story which i think people were kind of complexed about because a lot of bands spend like five years touring and writing music and hustling before they get signed so we kind of jumped the gun we're very very early on very lucky um and then yeah we, we scratched our music off online and then um yeah got this got this record deal with sharp tone we already had the music recorded so we just mastered it and then did a campaign and released our music uh before covid going into covid so it was like a super weird time to be releasing um but then all of that was out when COVID hit hard. Uh, and then, yeah, we were like this band signed, but we couldn't really play any shows. And then COVID happened. So I basically held all that time locked away in a flat for like a year and a half to write this album, um, which is the one that's coming out now. So really the band is properly starting now, kind of five years later, if that makes sense. Because COVID was like two and a half years out of our career where we couldn't do anything apart from write. Um, so hopefully now it kind of starts to happen for us in terms of life. So that's kind of the the base of the backstory. So that, I mean, that is an incredibly like all encompassing backstory. The fact that if the beginning of it, you were able to kind of jump the gun a little bit, go ahead of maybe where some other bands had continually gone, where you're not necessarily touring for five years or trying to get your name out there. You guys had yourselves in a specific position and made different connections that helped you get to that standpoint where you could work with someone that like Sharp Tone, get signed to them. And anytime I see, you know, a band that has Sharp Tone backing them, I'm always going to check them out. I'm always going to to be into them because when I think about Sharp Tone, I think about high quality music that they end up uh, putting their name behind and they end up releasing to the world. Anytime you see, you know, bands like, because I know Polaris is on Sharp Tone from the UK, a band like Caskets is on Sharp Tone. Uh, one of my yeah. favorites, We Came as Romans is on Sharp Tone. You can see the big giant banner in the back right there. I'm always excited to see what happens because I know that Sharp Tone is going to put their money behind quality. But at the same standpoint, where you guys came from with what happened with COVID and now getting the debut LP out there in February of 2024, it did take that five years to really get that out there. It just, you guys went in a completely different path compared to other bands. Of course, COVID was something that really changed a lot of different perspectives and it depended upon where you were in the world as well, because some places, maybe like the UK had tighter restrictions than we had over here in the US. So when it came to live music returning and really getting behind that, it depended upon where you were with how quick that was going to happen. And it depended upon the size of the band, how fast, you know, in that process was going to happen in terms of getting out there, but also getting recognition due to all the people that were trying to go out and play live shows. Yeah, it was competition, not between bands to try and just be the bigger band, but it was competition because there's only so many venues that could hold so many days with everyone yeah. trying to get there. How do you get those days? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I think after COVID, there was quite quite a big backlog of tours that were looking to tour during the space of time that was that was COVID and they couldn't. So I think when that happened, we were kind of <coughs> on the back of that backlog. So there was a lot of bands going out on tours. We wanted to jump on stuff. We did get one, but then because of COVID regulations and 
visas for the other band that got cancelled. We're going to do like a short European run. Um, so I think basically it's nothing against us. Like there's just been other bands that have kind of taken those slots that are further ahead of us in their career, which is legitimately fair enough. Like, like Holding Absence and Loathe and stuff like that that have been doing what we've been doing, but for longer, already got some albums behind their back and, and have gained that fan base. Um, so we're kind of like just on that start, that that journey of touring now, which is having the right agent that's going to back us. Um, and yeah, having the right amount of music out as well. Like I think for me, I always wanted to have an album out before people came to check us out. So there's more substance for them to go listen to um, and obviously more merch to sell, more more for people to buy into the band. So yeah, our direction now is to play live as much as we can, festivals, tour runs, get over to the States and, and Australia. Um, these things take time, but I would say from from after the album's out, that's our primary focus is to get out and play live as a band because we haven't really done it yet, um, which is crazy. Like most bands tour and record, tour and record, but we've just like recorded, put music out, and now we need to go show people what we got. But that's one thing I've been seeing from a lot of bands as of late, especially in the past couple of years compared to before COVID, where instead of just going out touring and trying your name out there and then putting more new music out there, it's I'm seeing more new music become the norm and then building up a fan base online, building up a fan base from that music. So when you go out and tour, not only do you have all of those songs that you already have recorded that are yours that you're going to play throughout your whole entire set that people can get into, but then you're not constantly relying on covers to get people to recognize the stay in the moment, stay involved, and then people focus in on those over the originals. However, at the exact same time, given the fact of how expensive touring has been getting and how much more money is being put into it, just with transportation costs, inflation, you put, you put the whole entire thing into it. Bands want to make sure that they have the fan base to go out and tour and to make sure that they're going to not lose a bunch of money on it and then push them even back further due to financial aspects. You want to make sure that you have that fan base already built there. So when you do go out and play live, that you're not just going to be going out there and hoping for the best. You want to have some real accurate, like raw data and raw fans behind it that are going to come out to those shows, support you and potentially pick up some merch, potentially see maybe two or three shows and support you even further along the line, bring their friends out as well. It adds so much more to the experience and it's just the world we're living in. So you guys kind of got put into that situation in a certain capacity with the way the pandemic hit. However, right. you guys got put into that situation that everyone else that was coming up at the exact same time got put into. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Well, I think I think COVID was yeah a really difficult time for all bands. Whether you're successful or just getting started, it seems like um, yeah, bands that are right at the top, you and uh, using <clears throat> losing their year's salary, um, you know, uh, from touring. So I think it's I think it's a kind of a negative effect on a lot of people. It seems to be getting better now, um, but I think for the bands that were kind of getting headway maybe it's had less of an effect i think if you're just starting like it's it is difficult like if we you know we would not be out at all without the support of our label um so i don't know how original acts do it whether they save money for for buses and things like that it's it's incredibly difficult but i think maybe just like any other business it's kind of like taking out a loan so that you can get to an advantageous point where you're making money and then you kind of pay it back um same with anyone else starting a business they might get a loan to start their clothing brand or open up a store and then 10 years later they were able to pay, pay the money back so um we're just we're very grateful to have a team around us that supports us and wants us to get out there and play shows because yeah i think without sharp tone we wouldn't be we wouldn't be doing it really i, I don't think we'd be able to 
Or if you would be able to go out and play live, you'd have to pretty much stick maybe within the UK at that point and not really go anywhere further. Just do the fact of transportation costs, do the fact of how much it's going to cost to go across different borders, especially as you go into Europe. Everything yeah. manages in there. Plus, they have the resources that are going to help you not only connect you with the bands that you want to connect with to go out and tour with, but just create these overall better packages and better experiences that people are going to be able to get into Profiler a lot easier than they would if you didn't have that. But you did mention yeah. something that just sparked uh, something in my brain where we think about the pandemic as well. And it's, you had like three types of bands that you had going into that. You had those bands that were already established that people already knew that were already headlining all their own shows that could, you know, sell out, you know, at the bare minimum, I would say like 500 a night. But then you had those like bands that were kind of in the middle that were really starting to get their own head when they were opening for some bigger tours, maybe on their second or third album, really starting to gain some traction. But then you also had the smaller, like the smaller ones, the upcoming ones that were just trying to get going. And when the pandemic hit, of course, those bigger ones, everyone still wants to go see them play live when they come back. So when touring resumed back in like mid 2021, everyone wanted to go see them. But those middle tier bands, they had a little bit of a tougher time and they still do. And I saw a lot of them get their growth stunted, unfortunately, because it's like, well, what do you do in this case? Because you want to continue to grow, but you don't want to go back down. But you're kind of stuck in this middle, especially when no one knows what's going on. As a younger band, though, on a smaller spectrum, yeah, you're kind of in this spot where you don't have all the money invested in there at that moment. And you don't have as much potential like new music out there to try and push out there. So you have the time to work. You have the time to create. And you have this feeling of like this, this feeling of newness. So when people come and see you, it's like this, oh, it's a brand new shiny thing where a band that had lens in that middle tier, you know, maybe they had this brand new song that was absolutely killer. But because it wasn't like that just brand new thing, it wasn't the shiny new thing wasn't the thing that people were really getting behind. So in a weird way, again, where you guys were positioned with all this, going into where, where you are in 2024, it's mm. a really interesting position where you guys are put in. But it seems yeah. like, especially having the backing from Sharp Tone, having the ability to potentially go and, you know, go throughout Europe, maybe have some backing come over to the US, go over to Australia as well. You have the ability to try something like that. And now you also have a, a catalog of music where you can rotate through a couple of songs every single night that you're not going to play every single night, but you have yeah. all originals that people are able to get into and that they've already listened to and able to, you know, take part in because it's just there already. And you guys still have that feeling of, you know, big, shiny new thing. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's really well put. I think going forwards, it's, it's not, not uh, important too much to look back um, at maybe like the sort of difficult place it's been to get to where we are now. Cause it's been, we've had to be really patient, but um, I think going forward 2024 into touring with this back catalog and, and this label backing us, we are in a pretty advantageous position um so i think we're kind of excited to see what hype the album builds and regardless of that get out and play play live with some music behind us so i think we're in a good position as a band going forward so it's just onwards and upwards for us um and also we've we invested into our live game pretty heavily so we're sort of we've been live and ready before but now we're like really like ready to go because we've invested you know sort of like wireless and midi up switching so we don't have to like press our pedal boards and things like that just little little details that make things a little bit easier easier for us to play and put on a good show. So it's all there for us right now. So we just, fingers crossed, it goes, it goes well. I mean, I hope it goes well for you guys too, but especially now that we're talking about live shows, you guys are investing more in it to make that live experience not only more seamless for you guys, at the exact same time, a much better show for the audience because 
when you're up there on stage, I mean, you're like the host of the party. People are going to follow along with what you're doing. If you're putting on a great show, people are going to follow you every step of the way. They're going to follow that energy and they're going to remember that no, no matter if it's positive or negative. So if you're able to create that positive interaction, that positive experience with your live performance, that's what's key. And it seems like you guys are doing that. But from what you're able to tell me, what does the live schedule for Profiler look like for 2024? For how whatever information you're able to give me, I want to hear it. Uh, well, at the moment, we've got uh, our tour, which you can find on our Instagram, which is with Vended and Gloom in the Corner. So that's 33 dates across Europe over the month of May. So that's a really big tour for us. That's a, that's a big deal. And that's that's the best place where people can come see us live and come see the album live as well. Outside of that, we don't have any shows booked. But obviously, as a band, our ambition is to look into shows into the US and Australia and Japan, global tours. Uh, maybe not a global tour, sorry, but like uh, tours in different continents so we can get our name out there. Um, but we want to be playing live as much as possible. So we're looking into uh, the best way to go about that once the album drops. Well, I mean, especially with that lineup that you guys are going to be going out with when you run without run throughout Europe, of, you know, take a look at what you have right there. You're going to go on tour, like you said, with Vended for 33 dates. Now, when it comes to Vended, you know that, again, American band, so you're going to get some more American tension on that just from that name. However... You're also dealing with Slipknot kids there. So you might get some attention from actual Slipknot just based on, okay, who is Vended playing with? What do they sound like? But I do have to bring up Gloom in the Corner as well because I remember interviewing those guys and it was like, okay, I got to listen to this album. It is one of the most wild things I've ever heard. And this is coming from Australia too. Australia's known for just wild music. Gloom in the Corner does something completely different but keeps it so heavy where it's just like, uh what and i'm jealous right now because i can't come over to europe and come and see that tour live come and see the three of these three bands play live and experience this it makes me jealous and want to have all three of you guys come over to the u.s and just rip through the whole entire country and we're just gonna have a blast with it like now we need this to happen yeah yeah for sure well maybe maybe this conversation can push push people into thinking about it like that would be dope like i love both of these bands that we're going on tour with um never met them in person so so really looking forward to that um and it's really good of them to bring us on because we haven't had um that much clout in terms of live so i think everyone that picks us is kind of taking a little bit of a a risk in a way it's the same as like when you're gonna go get a job like if you don't have the experience you can't get the job but then how do you get the experience about doing the job sort of thing um so them taking us on is is we're massively grateful for um and yeah obviously one band in the united states one band in in australia i can't see why we can't sort out other shows and interact with those guys again after the tour that would be sick so now with this tour specifically, are you guys the opening band for this or are you guys in the middle at yeah. some point? Yeah, we're the opening band. So we we open, then gloom in the corner, then vended headlining. Yeah. That that's what I thought it was gonna be, but I just wanted to ask to be on the safe side, just given the fact that it is in Europe and you've got a US band and Australian band coming in. I don't know what this what the makeup was gonna look like, so I wanted to ask. But as the opener, though, I mean, you have this opportunity at that point, especially if you guys are coming in there brand new and not many people know you. Now you have the opportunity to just take that show and make it yours. But also because they know the other two bands, they're going to be amped up for them already. What can you guys do in order to make that live show such a heavy, impactful experience where by the end of it, everyone's talking about all three bands and it's not just like, oh, yeah, I was here for Vended or I was here for Gloom in the Corner. Everyone's like. I was here yeah. for that band, but holy shit, did you see what Profiler did? Dude, we got to go yeah. see it again. Yeah, 100%. I think hopefully we bring that with the kind of... <clears throat> Sorry, I got a bit cold at the moment. With the stylistic approach we have to the to the music we make, because it's not like metalcore and it's not like um, 
doesn't necessarily fit in a box. So I think most of the time when we play live, if people haven't seen us before, there's always kind of that reaction of like, okay, this is like refreshing because it's not, um, not that there's anything wrong with just being like metalcore. Mm. Like I love, I love metalcore um, and everything has its place. But I think, because our music's a little bit different than, the, um, than what people are used to, uh, I think hopefully people will go away feeling refreshed and excited. See, that's what I'm hoping they do too. But a lot of it's not just going to depend upon the music. A lot of it's also going to depend upon what you guys are able to create in that live setting at that given moment. So do you have any interesting ideas that you're trying to work with already to make that live setting stand out for you guys? Of course, I don't want to know the full thing, but if there's some certain ideas that you're working with or certain like little things you can drop, I want to hear them to get everyone else excited. Yeah, of course. So uh, what I can say is that uh, we are mixing the lineup live a little bit. So basically... <clears throat> for some of the set we are putting joe's bass into tracks and he's going to play guitar uh so that i can do frontman vibes so that's something that we're changing big time because i think in a metalcore heavy gig setting being able to interact with the crowd and get people energized it's much easier doing that from a frontman position rather than being stuck behind the microphone and your guitar kind of tuning and changing your patches changing your tones in between talking to people so that's something we've just brought in live which we just did with uh, Kingdom of Giants. We just played with them uh, in London. Uh, so that's the first time we did that. So that's a new stylistic approach to live that I think will be super exciting for people to get involved with. I think it's definitely a smart idea to have some of those moments where, you know, the bass is going to be on a backing track. So you have the ability to just be the front man and not be basically held down by a guitar at that point. Because I still remember seeing, this was last year uh, in the U.S., Beartooth and Trivium toured together. So when you're yeah. seeing Trivium up live, you know, Matt Heafy is doing all the vocals, but Matt Heafy is much more stagnant on stage because he's got the full guitar with him versus someone like Beartooth with Caleb Shomo, where Caleb's able to just run around like a freaking chicken with his head cut off, manic style. And it does create two different vibes overall as well. But typically for myself as a person that loves to be at these shows, loves to be in the mosh pit, hitting everybody in sight from the beginning of the set to the end of the set, every single band. I, whenever I see bands that have that front man just up there as a singular front man, there always tends to be some sort of different amplified energy that can be brought. And that's what really connects a lot of people at times because they can see that movement, they can see the flow, they can have fun with it. They can really see how the music is interacting with you a lot better. So it definitely is going to give you a much larger chance in my perspective to hit those fans right away and create a difference in a live show where you guys can just go full on natural, not really have much backing behind you in terms of backing tracks. But if you need to have it, how do you use that to your advantage? And it seems like that's what you're going for. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think there's just a different energy that comes across when you are front manning a band than when you're on guitar, as you say. Um, so I think it's just crowd interaction, uh, being able to chat to people, tell people to get up and like mosh, um, talk about some topical issue you want to talk about. Um, but then I am also playing guitar as well. So it's kind of like a unique dynamic where we're kind of switching instruments and being multi-instrumentalists on, on stage, getting Joe, the bass player and the drummer to back up vocals and screams in some sections as well, using backing tracks to our advantage, um, yeah, using our using our MIDI switching so we're not concentrating on changing our patches, uh, having everything tuned up and locked in with lock-in tuners before we go on stage. There's no, no tuning throughout the set. It should be a pretty seamless uh, and well-executed live performance. That's what we're aiming for. We're striving for the, the top level of professionalism so we can get on the biggest uh, you know shows like arena, arena tours and stuff like that possible. That's That's the aim for us. It's yeah, it's kind of like uh, like when when the show's not going on, when you guys are not actively playing, 
when it comes to that side. Be the most professional you can be. Be the most, you know, workable that you can be so that the word behind uh, Profiler gets around where it's like, this is a band that you want to work with based on X, Y, and Z. But when it comes to being on stage, it definitely has the idea when it comes to you being up there not with a guitar, having the freedom to be able to move around, interact with the crowd a lot easier. But then when it comes to having a guitar strapped to you as well, how do you continue to make that interaction happen when you can't move around as much or you're a little bit more stagnant because you've got this weight on you that you got to make sure that it's tilted a certain way and played right. Otherwise, you know, the rest of the song is going to potentially have a little bit of a different taste to it than what you're expecting. Let's, that's going to be one of the biggest things you always have to think about is, how can you continue to create that interaction when you have a guitar strapped to you? Yeah, totally. Totally. That's something we're working out as a band. Those are all like really uh, well thought provoking questions. Like that's what we're thinking about as well. Mm -hmm. We considered so many options like bringing in a guitarist. I can just front man um, swapping it between us. There's, there's loads of elements going on that we're, we're doing through trial and error, but basically at the moment we're trying to set up our set so that like <laughs> it weaves in and out of guitar. So, come on with guitar, go off guitar for a bit, go back on. So the little bits that are in between get the crowd so engaged that when it's leveled off that when I'm behind the guitar, that energy is still going rather than being just on guitar for, for the whole set. It's kind of hard to get that energy. But if you come in and like, I know I've, I'm going to be able to take my guitar if it allowed, allows me to be more energetic with the guitar to start with, and then I can take it off, be crazy and energetic so that when I go back on that energy's built, maybe we do a lighter song on on the guitar so it's not too too much of a downer if I'm not going crazy on stage for that one song and then it's back on again. So we're just working out those dynamics. So it's kind of seamless and getting it recorded live through trial and error and just, just doing that work until and, and crowd interaction, you're chatting to people like, what did you think? Like be honest with us and just working that out. It's trial and error, you know, um, for us, but we, we want to get to that stage where it's just like, holy shit, that band was like fucking incredible. Now let's just brought up another idea in my mind. I want to ask this question and I'll give context behind it too. So whenever I see bands play like, especially that they have the opening stamp, like the opening set, of course, you're not going to get, you know, that 13, 14 song set that you're able to play. You've got a certain limited number of songs that you can really go after and you want to make sure you create the most amount of energy there. And I know what you're talking about too, where you have, you know, you can create the energy and then maybe go with something that's softer where you had that little bit of dip where you can sit behind the guitar, potentially catch your breath a little bit so that you can go manic once again. But, you, you know, there might be times at certain shows where, especially, you know, through trial and error, maybe through the first five or six, maybe that dip just isn't necessarily working as much as you wanted to compared to if you were just going full blast for that full like 25 to 30 minutes. So if you guys went with that dip, would you potentially be able to edit the set list to, you know, go through trial and error and make it so that the rest of the shows going forward after testing out how these crowds have interacted for the first five or six can yeah. really make it even better for the next like 20 or 30 just to make sure you guys are putting the best foot forward possible in terms of hitting with the audience and making sure these shows are properly amplified so that as they go from profile of the gloom in the corner, people are just amped up, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. As you say, that will be something that we will negotiate work out whilst on tour, obviously you're going to practice and rehearse heavily before we go on tour uh, and try and make everything uh, in a live rehearsal room in a kind of stage setting as seamless as we can be but we won't be able to tell that until we interact with the crowd so it is possible we tour for a week and we we have a conversation and go like maybe we need to swap this song around here or do this and that and we're, we're totally prepared for that in terms of our backing tracks and having everything backed up in a way that um we can make sure that that the live as the live aspect is going off as, as well as it can um but we hope to come into it uh planning that sort of stuff ahead uh, i think the set list that we've got for this tour 
it, it should it should be pretty seamless and and we've worked out those kinks between guitar and not guitar that will that will make it a, a really good live show so we just have to see how people react when we start say so now that is the professional answer right there if i've ever heard one where it's we're ready for anything we're ready to make those adjustments if we need to but we're already taking that into account so we potentially don't have to do that but if we do we're ready for it 100 percent. yep That's now the i'll say now we've talked about live shows already we talked about all that now i want to jump into the music specifically of course digital nowhere comes out february 16th when it comes to the style of music that you create again i kind of brought up it's like metalcore new metal but through the singles that i heard there i've seen some like more alternative rock also flow in there i've seen some funk inspired riffs flow in there as well so when it comes yeah. to your overall style of music with profiler how did you guys come up with this how did you guys create this overall sound so um well i just had an interview before where i was explaining exactly the same thing um where basically like before even starting the band and writing the music for my own personal uh, input to the music of Profiler, I've you know I've been listening to to dozens of different bands from from when I was super young. Had siblings that were into like Linkin Park and Incubus and System of Down. So I listened to that when I was about eight. Um, and, but then there's other influences, you know, like like Chili Peppers, Oasis. Uh, it's like Brit pop vibes. Um, there's hip hop elements from Joe, uh, who's really into sort of things like Wu Tang Clan uh stuff like that and so yeah there's it, it's just a wide range of of input that just kind of like comes out naturally through, through the music um but yeah that's, it's interesting to hear what like people uh reference us to we're not trying to sound like anyone in particular but there are obviously bands that like we're all unanimously into mm -hmm. like deftones and silverchair and nirvana incubus stuff like that which definitely influences our music but it's just it's not like intentional like we're not like we want to sound like a 90s band it's just like we love those we love that sound so it kind of just comes out in our core progressions and the way we we construct songs um but hopefully as time goes on it kind of sounds like profiler um the more we make music it kind of has its own authentic sound that's that's the that's the plan See, that makes a lot of sense too, especially as, you know, we, we all know when it comes to musicians, we all know when it comes to bands, you guys have different influences all over the place. Sometimes they're common, sometimes they're, you know, different. Sometimes one member might be just purely, I just want to listen to stuff that's heavy and goes chugga, 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 chugga. Well, you might get someone that loves to listen to just something that's really smooth and calming, like a Jack Johnson type thing. Or you might get someone that just loves jazz, like uh, Jerry Seinfeld in the B movie. You like jazz? Just something like that. However... <laughs> It's how it all comes together when you guys are able to work together on this. How does this all create from your sound and where does that core element of profiler sound come in and how is that exposed to the world? We take a look at bands that are absolutely killing it, especially in rock and metal. We have this feeling of what a core sound is from Sleep Token already with all the stuff that they do, but we can right. feel it already. We can feel it from Bad Omens. We can feel it from Spirit Box. We can feel it from Bring Me the Horizon. We can feel it from all these bands that are experimenting consistently, doing all these different things, but we know it's them at the core no matter what they do. So when it comes to you guys, yeah, you know, we're going to see elements of these different bands in there. We're going to see elements of those that new metal style. We're going to see elements of that metal course down there. We might see elements of the hip hop down there, like you said, because Joe is into that stuff. But it all depends upon how it comes together and how you guys are able to create all these different things and turn them into something unique. Because in yeah. the world today, there are so many sounds and so many different ideas that have already been tried out. And it's not yeah. like you're coming up with something completely new. The best way to come up with some, something completely new is to take ideas and take your influence and take your inspirations from a bunch of other places that you feel in life and bring them together. Have a couple other people with theirs, bring them together as well. And when you melt them all together, now you have this brand new thing that you're ready to show to the world.
Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, like, I, yeah, I, t I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think we, we've, a, a lot of, a lot of the ingredients comes from, comes from myself in terms of writing like core structures of songs. Um, and Brad, the drummer is new to the band. So I think like writing, he's going to be more included into what he can do as a more expressive drummer because our other drummer kind of lost interest. And I think Brad's just kind of like a more, uh, versatile kind of metal drummer. So it's going to be interesting to have his input, but then Joe as well has also got like a, a very particular kind of bass style of playing. So I'll be honest in terms of like my kind of control element, like in a slightly similar setup to, to sleep token. I mean, I probably will predominantly write the, the music, the kind of core sound of the band, but the more I've gotten to know Joe and appreciate his ideas and input, like his, his input is essential to the ingredient of, of writing tracks because I might think something's perfect and he puts a baseline over it and I'm like, I didn't even think about that or, or like a certain layer. So I'm working very collaboratively with him. But I think what's most likely is um, it's very difficult to not sound kind of like, um, like, like we've got this and it will just, it will just be all good. But basically there's just phases in my life where I sit down and I write and just these, this, these tunes kind of come out quite a lot of the time as, as they are. So it might take like, it might take like 45 minutes or it might take like two days, but I'll basically try and be constructing songs that we feel are good, pick them apart with Joe and Brad, put them back together, go through it with the label um, to try and make, yeah, the the best music we can possibly take. But like basing on how popular and and how much good music there is out there, you know, as you say, like Sleep Token and Bring the Rise and like there's such a high quality. So we're always striving to be like, is this good enough? And just being honest with ourselves. Um, but we hope the music at the core is like enough for people like and 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 good enough music that we're making because there's there's a lot of competition out there there's a lot of seriously good bands um so i think we're under no delusion that it has to be it has to be outstanding and the fact that especially as time goes on with joe and uh, brad as well the fact that you know we're able to create these songs create these ideas and be a principal like you know focus of this to start these out but then bring them to those two guys and have the trust and have the confidence where okay, if there's something that, you know, I'm bringing up that's not going to work, that they're thinking about, that they're thinking might work, okay, you have the trust and the confidence in them to bring that up and you're not going to let ego stand the way of, well, I wrote this, so now it has to be this way. We're not changing it. It's, you're, you're, yeah. you're showing the fact that this is a group effort overall. You know, how that effort and how that process is done is going to differ between band-to-band, artist-to-artist because not everybody is the same. But what you guys are able to do is figure out the way that's going to work for you and also see now that with Brad and the band as well, how he's going to be able to be a more versatile drummer with this stuff, but what his ability is going to allow you guys to do in terms of create different patterns, create different structures. They're going to evoke certain emotions and allow for certain other influences and styles to come into play that could amplify the moment that you're trying to produce here for us to feel not only in our hearts and our minds, but also feel like, you know, we got punched in the chest and got thrown back emotionally. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what we want. Well, I feel like, yeah, bands go through trial and error and different ways of getting to where they get to. But I think for us, the next record that we write will probably be extremely exciting because because we've learned a lot. Like we've been, we have, we have been a band when this is out for like you know five and a half years, like me and Joe. So there's been a lot of like there has been a lot of graft and and struggle and issues and conflicts and all that sort of stuff. But I think we're in a in a very mature position as a band where we're like we want to make the best record possible. 
Um, so I think the next the next experience will be very collaborative. There, there may be some arguments, like I, I'm not going to lie, like it's not necessarily like I've got an ego, but like sometimes I think that, um, I mean, I do have an ego, everyone does, but I, I might think a riff is is sick and I went back down, like if I think something's good enough. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I think the next record will will by far hopefully be our best piece of work because you're learning as you go along, like even with this album, like I think it's great. but I can listen for it and be like, you know, what can we do better to make that section more impactful? Although it seems to be the response is pretty good so far. So I think we're, we're safe. Yeah, and another thing, too, is especially when it comes to, like, debut albums, I mean, have there been some great debut albums in the past where it's like this is the fan's first outing and it just it takes everybody by storm? Yeah, we've Yeah. seen those, but they're not the norm and they're not very consistently happening. I mean, not every band's going to start out and have come out with something like Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. That's not going That's to happen. what I was going to say. Like, I mean, that that album, it just, it blows my mind. Like, I think, I think it's just any, any, any fan listening to it can say it's good. But I think if you're a musician, you're like, how the, like, how do they do that? Because it is outstandingly perfect um, in every way. Like, there's a few songs like High Voltage or whatever, like the um, extras, but the main album is just like, it's unbelievably good. Um, so it's, yeah, striving to do that. But I mean... I think that's just insanely talented members coming together at the same time. Um, same with like Incubus, Limp Biscuits albums as well. Like people like to hate on Limp Biscuit, but Significant Other and maybe not all the songs to be fair. Some some are like miss, but Significant Other and Hot Dog are like so well written. Um, so it's just trying to incorporate the the band members' talents and make it seamless. Um, I don't know. I think this band's had like a lot of a lot of money as well from like big big record labels. That might have helped, but uh, they're But it helped so a good. little bit. I know, but Maybe. where I was gonna, I'll say where I was going with that though is like, then you see other bands that come out. It's like, you know, it takes time to figure out how you're gonna work together as a band, what that collaborative process is gonna look like, and how that trust is gonna work in order to create something great. Now, when it comes to a digital nowhere, I hope that when it comes out, you know, everyone gets behind it as much as possible. But you're saying, you know, you're excited to go into the second, you know, process for doing this. Now that you have Joe and Brad, and you guys have more of this collaborative potential style to really work off of to see how your influences come into play and how you guys can continue to. evolve the sound of profiler now we're going to get into something where you know maybe the second or the third album is going to be the thing that absolutely blows people away and has that transcendent moment that takes you from playing in you know small music venues local music venues some larger venues to the point where you're opening arenas because people want to see that happen i've seen that happen you know take a look at bad omens and sleep token it was their third albums were the ones that just took them and took them into brand new heights Um, Spirit Box, you know, they had an, you know, they had some singles out there, but it was their first as well. I'll go back to Linkin Park. Hell, Meteora, I thought was better than Hybrid Theory personally. So it's just like, how do you take perfection and go even further than that? Well, they, 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 they did it. <laughs> so you can Yeah. do it too. They did a bit. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I feel like, I don't think they went downhill after that. I think they, um, they changed their sound, um, kind of after Meteora, but they, they harnessed that new metal sound. But I think it's, I'm not saying it's luck, but it's kind of like the specific members of that band, like the guitarist riffs, Mike Shinoda's rap vocals, Chester's voice, um, and the production they have behind it from Mike Shinoda. Yeah, it's just, it's unreal. So yeah, I think it's members coming about at the right time. But I think, yeah, with bands like Sleep Token, Spirit Box as well. I mean, Courtney's been in bands before Spirit Box. She's probably doing metal vocals for like a good eight years before Spirit Box. Why well, she's so... Probably, the, probably one of the best metal vocalists in in the world like she's insane um but it takes bands like a bit of trial and error like i think it's quite rare for a band just to get together and just 
blast out the most phenomenal thing. But then Silverchair did that when they were like 15. So just obscene talent from those guys. But I think for us, trial and error from what we did before and learning from mistakes and making the best record we can, from a point of striving to be like, if this doesn't do as well as we want it to, then like we, we're going to have to do better, like to the point where like no one's going to ignore us. That's where it comes from for me. I'm like, I don't want to be ignored. Like I want people to see what we got. And if that means I have to be better, then keep striving to do that. But that's just going to continue to make you want to go and do these things. It's you're always looking for what can be done better. Maybe the music is fantastic, but maybe it was just overall how it connected with fans or maybe the marketing behind it or maybe just how the outreach was. Maybe that wasn't the best. Maybe it was the other way around. Maybe the music you listen to and you're like, I could have been better on this. I could have done better on this. But, it, you know, when it came to reaching out to people and getting the, the word out about it, that worked out tremendously as well. It all depends upon, you know. Yeah, we, we can, we want these things to be the best, but if we don't learn from, you know, from what we did previously, whether it's music, whether it's promotion, what, no matter, live setting, what, whatever we're doing in life, if we don't take a look back and review from what we did previously and see where the successes were and where the, you know, where the problems were, where the complications were, how can we continue to get better going forward? We can double down on those things that were successes, but if we don't take into account where those problems came in, then we're just going to be in the same spot over and over again because those successes that we double down on might be better, but those problems are going to weigh it down back to like where it's even and then we kind of stay stagnant. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think I think we're in a pretty confident position as a band going into our ne next writing experience um, to try and try and make whatever the next record is to just be just be over the top good but um yeah still excited to focus on now and what we're releasing at the moment because we've all heard those songs quite a lot but we're i'm i'm very psyched about the album i think it's like a good versatile record i think there's 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 a good chunk of songs on there i'm, I'm super proud of so we're really excited about it all right so when it comes to a digital nowhere now this is a question i like to ask people when they have new music coming out and it's gonna be not the most fun question to answer because it's basically me trying to ask you to pick one of your children out of the out of the bunch. So oh, yeah. when it comes to a digital nowhere, I know you like a lot of these songs. I know you're big into them. But if there is one specific song you want to make sure people check out, what song is it and why? Oh, that is difficult. Um, I, I told you it was gonna be. <laughs> well, there's the singles. There's there's songs that aren't on the single one that I think are really cool. There's there's two. Ah. Uh, there's uh yeah there's two that i think are really at the top of my choice but i probably two utopia which is in the middle of the album i think is one of my favorite because it's kind of got this kind of like brit pop vibe but then it's kind of like it's super heavy it doesn't sound like anyone else um so that's probably my favorite track is two utopia which i think is track six i'm pretty sure or track five See that? That's why I was like asking about this stuff too, because now, of course, I should have even prefaced it too for the sing for the songs that are not singles or are not released yet, because of course we can go and check all those out. We can see what they're all about. But from a standpoint of the ones that we don't know, which one do you think we should say and why? And if it's Utopia, again, I want to go check it out now, just given the way that you described it. There's a lot of possibility here for this music, especially as I listen through the singles as well. Yes, it has that metalcore flair. Yes, it has that new metal flair in it as well. But like I said earlier, I've seen some pieces in there where it brought up a lot more of this alternative rock flow at times. And mm. for All and Forever, like it opens with this deeper, like funky bass riff inspired feel to give a little more of this differentiating sound to a heavier song. And I like that right from the get-go because I already knew this was going to be potentially something different. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Like we, 
we don't want to construct songs necessarily that are like uh how they're supposed to sound or whatever it is um but it's a it's a guitar line at the beginning of all in forever i've had that come a lot like everyone thinks it's bass but it's it's my guitar what but, uh, yeah it's guitar yeah <laughs> everyone thinks it's bass All right, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get up and then leave after this one because I, I just embarrassed myself. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> no, it's all good. There's there's loads of people being like, "Oh man, that baseline at that track," and I'm like, "I think I got to say it before it gets like becomes a thing." Um, but yeah, it's it's guitar. Um, but yeah, like I mean, we definitely like reference some super well constructed songwriting songs uh, for how we how we how we go about writing a song. But it's it's good to do stuff differently as well and catch people off guard. Like Pale Dust, for example, from Japan. Like those guys are doing. obscene obscene songwriting that's just absolutely like mental but it works like like five tempo changes a track like detuning like going from like straight to shuffle like it's absolutely nuts i love see, that band see now now you're bringing up something that makes a lot of sense where again bringing up pale dusk i remember seeing them live because they opened for polaris on the u.s run they did in 2023 and yeah. i knew every band that was on that lineup that polaris put together except for pale dusk i'm like I don't know what to expect. I'm going to go into it with an open mind. I was mm. just, I remember seeing him open. I'm like, that was one of the best opening sets I've ever seen in my entire life because it was just, it was so different. It was manic. It was wild. And when I thought about like, there is one band I can think of that matched up with this one in terms of an opening, like how they, how their set is, how their song structure, how everything goes about it. Not with all the insane tempo changes Pale Dust does, but when it comes to hitting on this live setting and this sound that just is energizing, absolutely manic, I'm like, I can think of one band that hits on it with a different sound, and that's it. And it was just like, holy shit. But it's how you start out that stuff and how you get that attention grabbing. And like all in forever, of course, from the first line, now I gotta say it's a guitar riff and not a bass riff, but that funk-inspired flow to it just, it was something that was so different But not yeah. different as a way of like it's different to be different. It's different because the song is going to call for it. But now I'm curious to see where you're going to go with this and how you're going to build off of this and what this is going to lead to, knowing where the band's potentially going to be able to go with this sound. I'm like, what's going to happen next? Yeah, <laughs> that's how we feel. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen next as well. I'm in the same position. Like, sit down and write and and see what comes about. But like, I don't think that's how the song originally started. I think it started with like. an eq guitar riff like it changed quite a lot all in forever specifically um like went through a lot of trial and error to get to that point but it's kind of like i don't know like how certain guitarists or tom morello or like wes borland will like come in with a riff and it like gets the song going like sometimes it's just nice to isolate guitar you know Yeah, well, do you think about, you know, you brought up Tom Morello, think about Bulls on Parade, just wow, wow, chicka, wow, wow. Like, you don't know exactly, no one knew exactly what Rage Against Machine was going to do at that moment, but you right. knew it was going to be something interesting. Or you brought up Wes Borland. I'm just thinking about, you know, break stuff, just how it opens up. You know it's going to be something that's aggressive, but you have no idea where Limp Bizkit's going to take it. That's the key of being having that difference in there. you want to have people get so intrigued by it because it's what the song calls for, but also intrigued by it because who knows where you guys are going to go next. You know where you're going to go next with this track because you're the ones that wrote it, but us listening for the first time, we're just excited to be along for the ride. Hell yeah, man. I'm appreciate it. Thank you so much. So, I mean, when it comes to Digital Nowhere, trust me, I'm excited to be along for the ride because I've heard the singles, and let me say, I'm going to be excited to see where you guys go with this. I'm excited to see how this whole entire LP turns out, see what happens when you guys go out on the road with Vended and uh, Gloom in the Corner throughout Europe, and hopefully see you guys come over to the U.S. at some point because that would be really nice.
Hell yeah, I'd love to come to the US. So I'm pretty sure it can happen. Maybe this year. We'll see. Uh, but if we do, yeah, come come check us out on the show and we can say hi. That'd be sweet. I mean, I mean that's always that's always the plan, man, because if I'm going to have guests on the podcast, if I get a chance to see you play live, I'm going to do what I can to make sure I'm there. There's times where it just doesn't happen because, of course, there might be other shows I've already had you know, tickets for, already had other commitments. But at the same time, it's I love doing this shit, so I'm going to continue to do it. But, Mike, I got one more question for you before I wrap this up. Are you ready for it? For sure. Let's go. It's one of my favorite questions to ask because it's always, I always get random wacky answers and it also helps me discover more bands to check out that you love, helps other people discover more bands that you love, check them out and see where we can go from. So can you give me three bands that you love that you would love to see get more support right now? Could be bigger than you, could be smaller than you, could be the same size, doesn't matter what size, honestly. I just want three bands that you're absolutely into and you would love to get more support behind. So Go. 100%. Okay, well, I already mentioned Pale Dusk. Pale Dusk mm -hmm. from Japan, who are Grayscale Records. Everyone should go check them out. Absolutely insane. They're already doing really well. I don't know how much support they need. They seem to be kicking off, so... But they, they need to be massive. They're amazing. Thornhill from Australia, already doing really well. They deserve to be doing really well. Incredible musicians, uh, incredible vocalists, just a, a, yeah, obscenely good sound. Um, oof. And the first. Those are two really easy ones. Um. Oh God, yeah. Uh, Diamond Construct, I would say as well from Australia. That's a that's a personal favorite to me because I think their album's just like phenomenal, super heavy, uh, and I kind of don't think they got the clout that they deserve off that album because it's it's insanely good. So yeah, those three bands, check them out. Well, we can get more people to check them out and get more clout behind them because well, <laughs> if there's gonna be good albums that people aren't checking out, we gotta make sure people check them out because I can't let this music go to waste. It's too good. That's it. That's it. Exactly. That's the key. Well, Mike, as we bring this episode to a conclusion, one thing I'd like to do is give my guest, which is you in this instance, a chance to say whatever you want to say, plug where you want to plug, promote where you promote at the end of the podcast. So my friend, the floor is yours. Nice one. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. We really appreciate it. And to anyone who wants to check out a Digital Nowhere, do it. Let us know what you think. DM us on Instagram. Let us know your thoughts. Follow the band. And yeah, if you want to come see us live, then check out our tour at Profiler Band uh, on, on Instagram. And our tour with Vended is on there. If you want to come see some uh, European dates, then come say hi and hang out. We'd love to get to know our fans in person. And yeah, appreciate all the love and support we've had so far. Thank you so much. Yeah, go and see them play live. Go and say hi to them because why wouldn't you want to go say hi to them? They're exactly. friendly. They're nice guys. We won't bite. We're pretty cool. I think. They won't so, bite. Yeah. Or if they do bite, they're not going to bite you that hard unless you ask for it. So that's it. So as so now it's time for this podcast with three specific things. First things first. Again, a digital nowhere comes out on February 16th. You're gonna want to stream it, you're gonna want to listen to it, you're gonna want to make sure you get your physical copies of it if you can. Also, you want to make sure you follow along with Profiler because you want to know one, uh, you're gonna want to know when more new music comes out. You're gonna want to know when they're going to play live. And if you're in Europe, you're gonna want to go and check them out on tour with Vended and with the gloom in the corner. So, what's the best way to make sure you can hit on all of this? It's going to be by going to the description of the podcast where it says find profiler online links and labels for everything. You're going to be down there so you can follow with them on social media, watch their YouTube videos, watch the music videos, find where they're going to be playing live and get tickets, support them by buying some merch and stream the new album when it comes out on February 16th. I'm doing all the work. So go and throw 100%. me a bone here, everybody. Go follow profiler. Yeah. Yo, you just helped me out so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Now it's time for number two. Whenever I'm guesting the podcast, Mike, that I enjoy the podcast, I tend to make a certain promise as a way to say, hey, man, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. And I would like to continue to support the band in the future. And you hit on this. So this is the promise, man. I say when. 
when implies this is going to happen. We just don't have a day or time yet. So when I get to see perform live for the first time, whether it's in the US or whether I make it back to Europe and we figure this out, I don't know how, but I will look for you. I will find you. I will come say hi as always, but also first rounds on me. Hell yeah. Legend, man. Thank you so much. Well, we're definitely, uh, definitely return the favor and uh yeah i would love to see you at a show so that'd be sick so if we're gonna just return the favor i'm just gonna bring a whole case of beer at that point and be like hey guys i made it 100 <laughs> yeah, percent. that'd be dope now it's time to for number three i cannot end this podcast by saying goodbye i think that's way too final i don't like that so it also implies you know i want to continue to support you guys and this can't be goodbye too final like i said so this is gonna be i'll see you later i'll see you later for sure we'll definitely see you at some point man at a show in america we'll be there Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, that was my interview with Mike from the band Profile. And now it's time for Kevin's final thoughts. So what should my final thought be on this one? And I'm going to go when it comes to the music specifically. We talked about how they create their music and how, you know, this first one, they want it to be the best as possible, but you got to learn from it. And that's why I brought up, you know, band like use Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park hit it out of the park with Hybrid Theory. But you take a look at other bands like Bad Omen, Sleep Token. Don't get me wrong, I like Bad Omen's first uh, self-titled album. I really do like it. But Death of Peace of Mind took them to a whole different stratosphere of what they want to do, what they want to accomplish, and where their music could go. Take Me to Eden, or Take Me Back to Eden by Sleep Token did the exact same thing on the third album. We talked about Spirit Box, but that's not necessarily that band's first album. I mean... You know, when it comes to Eternal Blue, yes, it is. But we know Courtney and their gang had been in bands previously. I Wrestled the Bear once is much, much, much more well-known in that realm. So, yeah, we, we understand that as well. Take a look at Ice Nine Kills. They didn't really hit it off until Album 5 with the Silver Scream when they really figured it out. Now, it's going to take some time for bands to really do that on the, on the majority of the standpoint. But what Mike and the guys are going to be able to do now is... Go back in, especially after the use of digital lore, especially after more people get to know about them and really figure out what their sound is from this, where that core is, what they truly believe, what they truly love. How is it going to stand out and where could this band go next? We could be on the precipice of something great, people. And that's why we bring these bands in the podcast. because You never know who's going to pop off and be the next big thing. This could be one of them. So let's see it happen. If you want to make sure you follow along with uh, Profiler, which you should, Go straight to the podcast below where it says find profile online. Links labels for everything are going to be there. So you can check out the brand new album. Check them out on tour throughout Europe with Vended and The Gloom in the Corner. I also highly recommend The Gloom in the Corner because they were on the podcast back in 2022. And ooh, that was fun. As well as getting some merch and checking out all their other stuff. Make sure you follow along with us on the Corporate Rush Podcast. Hit subscribe right down here. Brand new episodes every single Tuesday and Thursday with reaction every single Friday. If you subscribe on Spotify, Podcast, iRadio, Amazon. Tuesday and Thursday, you still get the full episodes. Also hit like on these episodes as well because, ooh, yeah, push us in the algorithm. You can also go to description of the podcast below. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so go follow us along there. We have some fun stuff going on there. Want to thank Mike once again. This is a lot of fun. Better better way to spend the workday doing this. On that note, that's what you guys think. We're listening to the Card Progression Podcast. My name is Kevin, and you guys know how to receive one of the big, healthy, and hearty. See y'all! Yeah!